You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what's new and innovative in education. We're your hosts, Jessica and Caroline. And as you know, every week with this podcast, we try to shine a light on the path forward in learning. This week, Tom talks to Lydia Dobbins, CEO of New Tech Network, about their new book, Better Together, How to Leverage School Networks for Smarter, Personalized, and Project-Based Learning. As the title suggests, Tom and Lydia are excited about the potential of personalized and project-based learning, but they also worry about the degree of difficulty for teachers. The book suggests that schools work together in formal and informal networks to share models, tools, and professional learning. As Jack Johnson would famously say, it's always better when we're together. It's not always easy and sometimes life can be deceiving. I'll tell you one thing, it's always better when we're together. It's always better when we're together Yeah, we'll look at them stars when we're together Well, it's always better when we're together Tom and Lydia are hybrids. They both had successful private sector careers before their respective calling to work in education, which gives them both a lot to share and offer in their current roles. Let's listen in to learn more about their work and the new book. Lydia Dobbins, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. I am delighted to be here. We're talking about networks today. And Lydia, I was just I was thinking back to engineering school and business school 40 years ago for me. It was really the beginning of the information age. And, and in the industries where I started my career in energy and then in retail, it was really about scale efficiencies. You know, that was the, the key to the industrial age. Stuff got a little bit cheaper as you got a little bit bigger. Um, but but then I, I moved into technology and you really started your your uh, your career there. And I, I think you had a chance to see this, the early shift to um, network businesses where it wasn't just about scale upon economy, is it really about building a network effect where a customer experience could actually get bigger as a network got bigger. Yeah, I was around for the beginning of the personal computer kind of revolution and the, uh, the, the democratization of computer power, really moving from the huge rooms full of computers, you know, data general was was probably the, the king of all kings then to these uh, uh, upstarts, you know, little companies called Apple and Compaq and a few others. And you're right. It was not only kind of the advancement of the technology inside the machines, you know, chips and performance, but it was what happened when you unleashed uh, kind of the, the more people were using these new devices and, and platforms began to emerge that, that it changed every aspect of, of the computing power and the experience of being connected with other people Re- really created business communities in ways that I think hadn't existed before. Things like fax machines uh, got more and more useful as more and more people had a fax machine. Exactly. And, you know, email again, got more and more valuable as more and as you could reach more and more people. Email went from being the most nerdy thing you might know about to the most common way to connect with people in a really short amount of time when we look back at that time. I think this became a much more widely understood phenomenon 15 years ago when when things like LinkedIn and Facebook 
were formed and sort of went retail. And when your mom and dad got online and and understood that th- this thing was kind of cool and it got cooler every week as more and more people joined. Yeah, I think, uh, and I was involved in a number of companies and probably the the last big uh, uh, splash was my time at AOL. And when we began to move from the, the modem startup, <laughs> kind of, a, you know, that sound when you had to wait for the connection uh, to uh, that the, the connection became more ubiquitous and it, you no longer heard the sound of the modem, it, it really moved from the kind of nerd appeal to, yeah, your, your mom's, dad's, and your young kids. You know, it's it sort of, uh, uh, again, I, I think about the democratization of this, but it became a tool that, uh, that, that surprised everyone. And, and I remember early on websites that were starting to aim for seniors. And of course, the explosion of thinking about when you're connected, what could you do in early ed, let alone um, how could devices and devices that are connected to other people become uh, just as ubiquitous in the educational world as they were in the, becoming in the business world? So 25 years ago, uh, really the, in the year when we first saw WWW show up on a magazine cover, I became a school superintendent and a few intrepid teachers in my district really helped me understand the uh, power of technology. That was really early in networking at the, at the, at the very beginning. Uh, but it was um, maybe a year later, we started the first online school in the country. And the, the combination of working with other schools around the country and then around the world and then connecting kids uh, first around our state and then around the country. Those, I guess those early ideas began were the seed for me and in thinking about networks and education. When, when did you start thinking about networks and education? When my own daughter started to go to school and it became, uh, and I realized the gap between what I was doing in my day job (laughs) and what they were doing at school was wider than I thought should exist in the world. Uh, And so, like a lot of us then as a parent volunteer, I, I ended up helping bring not only computer labs into the elementary school, but actually, you know, making the argument for a T1 connection, you know, I don't even think they were called that then, but even the idea of being connected outside of the computers just being plugged in. So I, I and actually it's how I got pulled into education, uh, becoming more than a parental volunteer duty, but becoming kind of a, a life mission for myself. I remember um, the the magical summer of uh, 1999. I had the chance to visit hundreds of great schools, and um, including High Tech High and then New Tech High. And New Tech High at the time was a, a relatively new school in the Napa School District, and uh, we're just starting to think about. Um, replicating, sharing, building a strategy to share uh, what they what they had created. And I, I think they were one of the the first to think about that 
in a, in a platform way, um, thinking about sharing tools and resources for teachers and students on a platform. I think before that, there had been lots, there, there'd been dozens of school networks, but none of them had really shared a, a platform in that way. And, uh, and so I think that was a really key insight. Uh, when, when did you encounter New Tech Network? Um, I had heard a little bit. So I've lived in the Bay Area most of my uh, adult life. So I'd heard a little bit about it. And then the first visit for me uh, was uh, 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 in the late, well, probably in the early 2000s. And I, I was doing some work and somebody said, oh, you've got to go up and actually see New Tech. So um, I joined the organization eight years ago, but um, I had had a first chance to see it and then um, saw it again uh, in the year before I joined New Tech. And, and I remember thinking, well, of course, <laughs> we're going to think about technology and, and platforms and software as, as, being, as connecting both the, the act of creating what teachers are going to teach, uh, so the content creation, facilitate the actual learning, uh, sort of teacher to student, student to student. And then what really sealed the deal for me was that the grading, the, the work students were doing, would also be more than the kind of simple letter grades. So to me, that was um, the first time I had a chance to see what I, I would almost think of as a holistic approach to the complete reimagination of teaching and learning. And uh, fast forward, we have uh, just written and released a, a book on the subject of school networks is called Better Together, How to Leverage School Networks for Smarter, Personalized, and Project-Based Learning. And it, it uh, the book has a lot to do with our coming together around uh, New Tech Network and the success that uh, your organization has seen in, in helping school districts around the country uh, develop really supportive and personalized environments that uh, that feature wall-to-wall project-based learning. So, I guess first of all, congratulations on the on the book launch. Uh, same to you, Tom. Congratulations on the book launch. Yeah, it's been a long time, long time coming. Uh, I I thought we could spend a couple minutes on each of the three sections. Uh, the, the first one we've been talking about, the platform revolution. Um, Lydia, we are really living through what, what I think is a, a new period of time. I think you and I spent our careers in the, in the information age, and I, I think we're a year or two into something new, uh, an innovation age, one that's powered by artificial intelligence. And that AI is typically built into the platforms that we live, learn, work, and and play on. Uh, how do you think about this platform revolution that we're living through? I, I agree with you. I think, uh, and I don't think anybody should be uh, uh, nervous or scared about this idea of 
of the individual, you know, versus machine or machine learning or artificial intelligence, I actually think what's going to turn on its head is the very notion of collaboration. Um, and collaboration, yeah. novel concept, because so much of the of of uh, the factory model of education is how do you how do you help individual students be clearly marked for success and and sort of do the factory learning and and this idea of 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 uh, community itself getting um, better by being more connected I think is has us on the verge of uh, truly a kind of a new renaissance uh, and and for us kind of a foundational belief of new tech network is that schools get better when they are part of a community. And that that is not, that's not a common perception. Well, maybe in a small sense, right? I think 30 and 40 years ago, we had the sense that, that schools that were part of a sort of a tight-knit community, um, that that was an effective thing, but it, it, it almost never worked at scale. Right, there were big disincentives to larger school districts that things fell apart. You know, once you got bigger than a feeder pattern or two at most, it was it was really really hard to to create um, a high fidelity, tightly bound uh, community. And so this this notion of a platform network where you can actually have a network effect where it gets better as it gets bigger is something new and quite remarkable, right? I I I think I agree. I I think the platform centric, model centric uh, way of thinking about schools, again, governed by this idea that we've got to completely rethink how schools uh, are organized around students and student learning and and not and move away from a more traditional sense of the uh, the expert at the front of the room uh, disseminating information you know as if there that wasn't uh, broadly available to the learners in the room um, but I also think we've allowed the governance structure of schools to be an impediment for a long time. And, and what I like about what we've explored in the book is that it's not about charters versus district schools. It's not even about the governance structure itself, that school networks allow schools to kind of leapfrog over conventions of geography and school districts or other kind of, uh, I think, artifacts of how public education developed in this country and actually focus on what really matters, which is we, we got to get busy and fast in doing a better job of meeting the needs of all kids. And I do think the underlying premise of the book that networks are probably the best in way and probably one of the smartest inventions um, that, that, that could be better understood and better leveraged as um, all communities are struggling to kind of figure out what what does change look like and how do we know if we're doing it for either the right reasons or if we're having meet, meeting the right milestones along the way. I I want to do a quick contrast to online learning. Um, as I mentioned a minute ago, I was really bullish about online learning, both part and full time, and. And still am to uh, to some 
extent. I, I think part-time online learning can really extend access to um, to great electives, um, can extend access to career and technical courses, to world languages. But we're really we're not talking about online learning. We're talking about um, learning that's very uh, much rooted in a in a small learning community with sustained adult relationships and sustained peer relationships, but that those small environments are are connected, hub and spoke to uh, to other nodes in a network. Right. So it's a combination of very human environments but connected in a very much connected uh from a technology standpoint yeah and i also think that's the key to thinking about what is what you referred to earlier as this sort of next wave around ai and its influence but i i think if i could take tech out of new tech networks name and not create confusion i would do it in a heartbeat because i think it's the wrong it today you know 1996 when that school was formed that was a unique <laughs> declaration about how, how different school has to be. Um, but today, it, it actually confuses um, the, the choices that I think uh, communities face when thinking about what is the reimagined school and what does it look like. You know, t- tech is not the, is not the solution. It, it's an enabler. It's, a, it's an important facet because we live in a world that is in which tech has become ubiquitous in every transaction that we, we uh, you know, participate in on a 24-hour cycle. But if we could be the new human network, I would do that in a heartbeat because the right. actual work that the network is doing, it is relationship-centric. It is about the relationship adults develop with each other in order to create these incredible learning environments. It's about the peer relationships students need to develop with themselves and that students need to develop with their community and that adults and students need to develop together. So, so tech is a means to that end. It is not a substitute uh, by, by any notion. So the second part of our book is called Transforming Schools. And in that section, uh, we'd lead off by painting a picture of uh, powerful learning, how it's personalized and project-based. That's really what new tech is is known for uh why don't you take a a minute and describe the uh, new tech what what does a typical new tech school uh look like and how does it work yeah and and on on the one hand that's an easy question and of course on the other it's a it's a really thoughtful question that 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 invites a really long answer but it's a podcast so i'll try to do that quicker one um uh, and a new tech school today it started as a high school uh, more than 20 years ago. But today, when you say, what does a new tech school look like? You almost have to stop and say it's a little different when it's a elementary school versus a middle versus a high school. Because we actually ha- have evolved to have a network that, that is comprised of about a third elementary and middle and, and two-thirds high school. So that's pretty exciting in and of itself. Uh, and... I'd say typically uh, the first thing that you encounter at a new tech school is is a creative chaos if it's if it's humming on all cylinders and that is you're not going to see rows uh, you know desks the teacher necessarily recognizable at the front of the classroom um, students are going to be 
uh, clearly working uh, in small teams, in a classroom, outside the classroom, not only around the school, they could be off the campus altogether. Uh, and their, their day um, is organized uh, typically, especially at the high school and middle school level, with team-taught uh, classes. So larger classes, you, you might see 60 uh, students in a class with two teachers, and, and that allows us to really deliver on, on inquiry-based learning through project-based learning. And, and what you'll see at a new tech school is that that's, that's pretty much every subject. Uh, and so every minute of the day for a student is typically in uh, a project-based learning classroom, and that's the pervasive use of projects, not projects as dessert, but really projects as the way we're going to engage in, in learning. And the culture of that school is almost uh, visceral. I mean, you get a sense of community, of um, relationships we mentioned earlier, um, of, of, of solving, working together in teams to be able to solve problems that students would can describe to you in their own words and and that are highly relatable to those students and in which the the end part of that effort the ends of projects almost always culminate in um, products or presentations uh, to not only the school community but very often the greater community uh, in in a way that 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 sort of delivers on school being relevant, rigorous, and, um, and, and a clear connection for students to the, the life they want to live beyond um, the end of their K-12 days. In case you skipped over the intro, I know this because sometimes I do it myself. Today we're listening to a conversation Tom had with Lydia Dobbins, the CEO of New Tech Network, about their new book, Better Together. The book is available on Amazon, and you may see it in your local bookstore soon. We'll include a link in the show notes and on the blog. If you've already checked it out, make sure you leave your book review on Amazon. Let's get back to it. Uh, Team taught, big blocks, um, wall-to-wall, project-based. You you frequently have interesting uh, combinations of, of courses, sometimes math and science, and sometimes... English and social studies, but uh, do you have other uh, favorite uh, team-taught courses? Well, the ones that are kind of always catch our eyes, the inclusion sometimes of, of uh, science, like with the biofitness kind of, uh, you know, PE meets uh, science is kind of a fun one. Um, and, and the new tech model lends itself to schools that are in rural communities and urban, so tiny schools in tiny districts to schools in really large districts. And and often uh, a new tech is an academy on a really large campus. So students can be part of the new tech academy for their core classes and then take advantage of full electives that a large campus can offer. So uh, it, it, some of the most creative combinations are in the smaller schools and smaller communities where they really have to, to work with the challenges that, you know, small number of students, small number of teachers and, and get really uh, creative in those ways. So let's um, talk a little bit about what it's like to teach at New Tech and how teachers are connected and, and in what ways you promote learning across the network. 
Yeah, I think a number of ways that were promoted. We've talked about tech. And on the one hand, I said, if I could take it out of the name, I would. Where I love kind of the, the, the love having tech in the name is that we do have the benefit of of every school in the network uses the same uh, learning platform. It's called Echo, and it's designed uh, for teachers to connect with other teachers. Uh, students use it as they're organizing um, their, their, their platform on a daily basis. So courses are there, agendas are there, uh, work is done there, and parents are able to access Echo to be able to look at the work that their students are engaged in. So the community within ECHO allows teachers to search for projects designed by teachers across the network. They can search by standards or by type. They can find a project they like, download it, adapt it, uh, save it back to the network so that others can have access to it within a school or within a district. There are kind of sub-communities that that spring up within ECHO. Uh, It's not uncommon for um, math, which is often a kind of a lonely, <laughs> a lonely um, discipline in a in and among the most challenging in a in a PBL school environment. So our math teachers uh, really uh, uh, enjoy connecting with other math teachers across the network to to really look at um, what's effective and powerful. It's also one of the areas we've developed. Um, uh, projects ourselves and provide those as a network resource because math is among the most challenging to do well and to do well over the course of, of a year in terms of some of those subjects. Um, additionally, school leaders uh, also uh, take great um, kind of pride in, in a, and appreciate the ability to quickly access other new tech um, school leaders uh, on a variety of challenges, some of them easy to solve and some of them really complicated. You know, uh, scheduling is kind of the bane of every principal's existence. Um, so scheduling when you've got team-taught classes is is uh, is an art unto itself. Um, and uh, lastly, we've got uh, badging. So uh, teachers go through uh, kind of build their own individual capacity through some of the badging that's there and then participate in uh, improvement cohorts. And that's uh, using a lot of the improvement science principles teachers in and schools as an entity participate in specific improvement um, communities over the course of a year. I should note that in um, section two, where we, we talk about um, personalized and, and project-based learning. I think in that section, we mentioned at least 70 other um, schools and networks. So the book is packed with great examples from uh, schools all over the country. Um, let me just ask you about a couple other networks. Lydia, you, you've had the good fortune uh, to be connected in a a Hewlett network, a deeper learning network, uh, sort of a network of networks. Um, who, who are some of the folks that you have collaborated with over the last uh, eight years? Uh, they're, they're, these are all um, sort of brothers and sisters by different parents is sort of the way we talk about the deeper learning network. Uh, but uh, big picture learning the International's uh, Network, um, High Tech High, you mentioned them earlier, 
uh, Connect Ed, uh, best known here in California, uh, Expeditionary Learning, now EL Education. Um, I, I, will, I will hate myself later for forgetting to name a few of the others, uh, but uh, the New Visions for New Schools group out of New York. Um, uh, these are these are networks that uh, in which we discovered uh, through the convenings that Hewlett has sponsored uh, that that we uh, have more in common <laughs> than we have uh, 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 differences in certainly the underlying philosophy of providing student centric uh, school experiences and and really having uh, inquiry lead the learning um, and focusing on on students' performance, less in terms of standardized tests and more in terms of what we all believe are, are really great um, platforms that pro, pro, uh, pro can help students project themselves on a path that combines their passion, um, their aptitudes, their skills, and, and give choices to students that otherwise might, might not... Um, emerge from a, a more traditional K-12 experience, uh, really ready to move into career and, and college and, and, and active civic life. So hundreds of schools operate in, in these voluntary networks that you've been describing. Schools typically uh, join as a, a member organization or there's a, a partnership formed uh, to, to form a new school uh, that um, becomes a member of one of these voluntary networks. Uh, those are sometimes associated with grant programs. The Connect Ed, for example, was, uh, um, I think, an Irvine Foundation initiative in California initially, and that group now works around the country. The book also reviews um, many of the charter management organizations. These are managed networks. Um, Almost, uh, I guess, all of them that we discuss are uh, nonprofit organizations that have taught us a lot about designing powerful learning environments uh, from scratch. Um, any of those uh, come to mind that you want to mention? I, boy, I, I'm, again, big fans of many. Uh, I have loved watching um, what's been happening with um, – uh, schools around the country. I like, really like what's happening at uh, the Brooklyn Lab School. I think um, Aaron and Eric are doing some remarkable work, in, in, in that's a great example of a tiny footprint of schools, <laughs> but uh, maybe push to call it a network, but they're also designing themselves in a way that, that, can, that provides support for Well, it's uh, interesting that schools. it's, it's yeah. built on a on the Cortex platform, and and the Cortex platform is is in many respects a, kind of a loose platform network. It's a highly configurable, personalized learning platform, and people that use Cortex are able to share uh, resources across the network. So it is Brooklyn Lab is both a, a small CMO and uh, and a member of a of a platform network. We, in the book, we also talk a lot about school districts that operate like networks. Uh, we, we call out many of our our favorite uh, school districts. Um, I, I just visited Kettle Moraine a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I visited uh, 
many of the districts around Pittsburgh, um, Montour and, and South Fayette, um, Ellenworth, that are small, very coherent um, districts that operate like an internal network. And then interestingly, um, all of those districts uh, that I just mentioned are all part of a league of innovative schools. So a network of school districts uh, where where the leaders in each of those uh, districts have an opportunity to learn from each other and to work on projects across um, the network. So a, a great example of districts operating like networks and participating in networks. In the book, we also feature uh, districts like Denver that use a portfolio strategy and they use multiple networks. They have homegrown a number of great uh, school networks um, as, as dependent charters like DSST and Strive and Rocky Mountain Prep and Roots, but they've also created uh, innovation schools, networks of innovation schools that are, are district schools like the Beacon Network that are a terrific turnaround model. So a great example of a district using networks. Uh, you have a, a few good examples of, of district partners that have made really effective use of your services, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I think this is just a this fascinating idea of networks. And I what I like about um, a number of the profiles in the book is that we we help people see that that that, that it's not as if you got to pick one network and you're branded forever. I think great districts. Uh, are beginning to think about uh, smart use being part of multiple networks. And you mentioned the Pittsburgh area, and that that's a, a perfect example where a number of the districts in the Pittsburgh area are um, members of the League of Innovative Schools. We're, we're a founding member of the League, and, and it's been a, a great platform for us. But they're also um, part of the, the the remake learning effort, which started in that area. And so Avonworth, which is a district in that area, um, has a is a partner of New Techs and has a New Tech school. So so you can just imagine uh, the opportunities and p- potentially the challenges for district leaders to kind of make smart use of how to leverage these multiple networks. I think that's the next big learning here for district leaders. And that's to uh, kind of understand what being part of a network uh, can mean and then how to leverage and connect uh, the school networks that they might be part of within their their districts. Uh, and we see that in a number of of, of districts uh, that we're part of and in which uh, some of um, some good work paying attention to uh, how to make the most out of the network relationships um, without creating bureaucratic kind of headaches. Uh, but we see districts, um, El Paso, probably one of the districts that we're working with in Texas that uh, uh, is uh, particularly exciting for us because they've made a commitment to uh, connect their in, uh, engaged uh, their active learning framework uh, to uh, the new tech model, and we have eight soon to be nine schools 
uh, within El Paso that are new tech, and it's creating a sort of network inside the district in which the collaboration amongst teachers and school leaders is creating such a vibrancy within El Paso, which is a you know, medium-sized district of nearly 100 schools, it's really hard to collaborate uh, with that many schools in, in meaningful ways that aren't top down. And, and this work within El Paso is very much, uh, I would say, as much bottoms up as it is the district providing invitations for teachers and, and, and school leaders to want to take advantage of the, uh, a network like New Tech Network as a way to help them achieve the district vision. Which is a great segue to section three, where we uh, talk about leadership and and governance. How would you summarize how leading in a network is different? Um, yeah. I, well, first of all, I think we're we're on the verge of actually experiencing uh, you know, this network effect in a way that can help districts themselves. Uh, become um, highly innovative uh, machines, if you will. And, and that might be in contrast to a lot of the public perception about districts being slow, slow to move or slow to respond or having um, you know, bureaucratic challenges that make innovation uh, a really difficult to start and sustain. I, I think in our network, as we think about where, new, where we're going, we, we are appreciating that um, the more we can predict certain types of challenges that schools who are innovating a, a new model are going to face, uh, the better the network can be a, a, um, a smart way to uh, respond to both the predictable and the unexpected challenges that we know enough now to know uh, face every uh, major sort of uh, design or, or innovation effort. I, I think our biggest challenge for any of the networks that we profile is getting right um, the, the sort of the art of giving and getting within a network. Uh, and uh, obviously the business model aspect of that is pretty key because the lights have to be able to be turned on and stayed on and school districts face in very public ways, incredible scrutiny over um, how they're organized, uh, where their um, budgets are being spent, and, and how they're able to meet the needs of all kids. And I, I do think there's some really uh, ripe options to connect these, uh, you know, complementary uh, uh, opportunities, both from uh, school network design and from district needs. Yeah, it, that's a great point that uh, networks are based on, on value transactions and you join a network to gain value. It, uh, it allows you to contribute uh, to the network, but you, you stay in a network as long as you feel like you're uh, giving and getting value. So Lydia, I want to uh, conclude uh, just by summarizing the premise of the book and then I'll, I'll give you a, a chance to uh, to elaborate on that or or discuss uh, where we go from here, but the, I think the the observation that you and I came to uh, a long time ago is that personalized and project based learning, where we meet the needs of every student and invite them into extended challenges that are authentic and community connected, uh, where they collaborate 
and where they produce and present real work products, that that's both really, really powerful. It's really promising, but it's really hard. And we can't assume that 3 million teachers in our country uh, and, and tens of millions around the world are going to make this stuff up every day uh, to invent the lesson plans and to create the uh, tools and to build the structures to support that kind of learning. And, uh, and our, our book uh, simply says this, uh, this form of learning is really promising, but it's really hard. Uh, you need to work together. And whether that's a, a voluntary network like NewTek or a, a managed network like Brooklyn Labs or a professional learning community between teachers or a, a, a leadership network like League of Innovative Schools or a combination of, of all of those that to live into the promise of equity and excellence at scale, that networks are a really big part of the solution. And I would add, because it hasn't yet come up in, in this discussion, but I know you and I have talked about this a lot, there's, a, there's an even more compelling kind of overarching need to think about networks in the way that you described, and, and that is the challenges of equity and access to um, kind of e equitable learning opportunities probably is the biggest threat to our democracy over time. And I... I think that when we want to solve complex uh, challenges such as the sort of equity challenge and, and this as a social justice um, uh, kind of imperative, there's almost no way for individual schools or individual districts whether or, or individual um, uh, CMOs to really uh, grapple with and, and, and produce a different outcome um, when we think about putting equity as um, a need for us to think even even more compelling need to think about where schools are going. Um, it was great developing a book with you. It's been uh, fun watching you guys grow and, and build the network. Um, looking forward in a couple of days to being with you at your, uh, at your conference. Um, we really appreciate the contribution that you and New Tech have, have made to American education. So, uh, Lydia Dobbins, thanks for being on the Getting Smart podcast. It was indeed my pleasure. Thanks, Tom. A big thanks to Lydia Dobbins and the entire New Tech Network team for working with us on this important project. To learn more, check out gettingsmart.com slash better together and newtechnetwork.org for a ton of great blogs and information about working within a network. You can find Better Together at your favorite bookstore or on Amazon.com. We'll also be pulling together workshops over the next year to explore the power of school networks. You can email taylor at gettingsmart.com or click on the services tab on gettingsmart.com to learn more. Thanks for listening in today. We'd love if you rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever you like to get your podcasts. It helps us get better and it helps your friends find us too. Have a topic you'd like us to explore? Email editor at gettingsmart.com and include podcast in the subject line, and we'll add it to our list. That's it for today. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Caroline. And Jessica. Signing off. <laughs>